0: Peace, it's one of those things that comes up, particularly around Christmas. I don't know what you think about when uh, you think of peace, Um, but for some of us, it's quiet, it's silence, it's everything being in its rightful place. That kind of stresses me out when I've got kids who don't know where things belong it's things working the way that they should when you expect them to and i have a, a, a just this week uh, a great situation uh you may have noticed outside that the grass is not growing but there are weeds uh there are weeds that are growing and so i thought rather than bother the the mower uh i would do it myself i brought my mower along to church and i thought i'll just take care of it It'll, won't take me long, won't be a big deal. Well, after uh, a little time, I managed to get some done, but then the cable, the, the starter cable on my mower snapped. I'm like, great, okay, well, I've got my snipper. I've got my trimmer, I'll just do that. I'll I'll just take care of what is left. And after not much longer, the head on my snipper fell off. And if you go particularly in this area, you'll see that there are incomplete patches of grass. I was not very peaceful after all of that. Things that I had expected to happen in a particular way were out of my control. I was not very peaceful. Uh, Peace often is something many of us seek in different ways, in different forms, but we seek peace. Peace in our families, peace in our workplace, peace in our relationships, peace in ourselves. Uh, And I don't know about you, but sometimes it seems so elusive, so hard to, to take hold of. But as we go into Christmas, we will be talking of this peace. We will sing of this peace. But what is it? What is that peace It may seem strange as we look at this psalm, but I think this psalm tells us a few things of peace. As you read there, uh, this psalm is uh, titled A Song of Ascents. And if you look carefully at your Bibles from Psalm 120 uh, to Psalm 133, or 34, sorry, uh, we have this collection of psalms called A Song of Ascents. And they were essentially road trip songs. Uh, songs that the pilgrims would sing as they made their way to Jerusalem. They, uh, they would have, uh, various festivals in Jerusalem at various points in the year. And so, the, the people would go to Jerusalem. And this is, uh, the songs, uh, that they would sing. They're, they're you know, they're things that you would listen to on the radio, um, as you're going along in the car or on the donkey, or walking. Um, but they would sing these songs. Uh, and they're communal songs. They're not things that you just kind of hum along or sing in the shower, although that would be weird as you're walking. Um, they were things that you would sing together. And, you know, verse 1, I rejoiced with those who said with me. It's something that's sung together. Uh if we backtrack a little bit to Psalm 120 and 121, these are songs, prayers of protection uh, to protect the people, the pilgrims as they made their way to Jerusalem. And then we get to Psalm 122 and they are there. Verse 2, our feet are standing in your gates of Jerusalem. They've arrived. And so they sing these songs as they make their way. To Jerusalem, and they're, they're, they're really worth looking at, uh, and they're great songs to remind us of why we come here to church, why we gather together as God's people, because what do we do? We rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, let us go together. And where do they go? Where do they go? They go to Jerusalem. They go to Jerusalem. It is the city of peace. Salem or Shalom, you may have heard before, means peace. Jerusalem is the foundation of peace. Literally, Jerusalem means foundation of peace. It is the city of peace. And so they go to the city of peace. And what does this city look like? What is this city like? We see in verses 3, 4 and 5. We see that this is a city uh, that is closely compacted together. What's that trying to tell us? It is a safe place. It is a place where, where the roads are tight and the buildings are all close together. It is, some people might get claustrophobic in that, but... This is a fortress city. It is a place where there are citadels where they can look out for the enemies. This is a place of safety, a place of comfort, a place of peace. And so they go to Jerusalem, to this city where they will feel safe. It is also where the tribes go, verse 4, the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to do what? To praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to them. They've been told at certain points in the year to go to Jerusalem to celebrate, to praise God. But it's not just me, myself and I, my own. No, it is with the tribes of the Lord. It is with the diverse multitude of people. None of us here are alike. We're all different and yet here we are together to do what? come to the place of peace, to come before God and to praise Him. We come together in our diversity. And then verse 5, we're told that there the thrones for judgment stand, the thrones of the house of David. And this is not judgment in a negative sense. Often we think judgment in a very negative sense, very critical sense. But what do we call the police? What do they do? What do the police do? That's one of the things they do. They keep the peace. They keep the peace. How do they do that? Because they have authority to exercise power in society. And the king's of old, the governments of today, the leaders of groups are given authority or in some cases take authority but when it is used rightly and they sit on their thrones or they sit in their positions of power and they exercise judgment, godly, righteous judgment, there is peace. And so the people come to Jerusalem, this fortitude a fortified city, a place of safety. They come to this place where the tribes, the diversity of people come together in community to praise God. And what do they praise Him for? They praise Him because He's a just and righteous God. They praise Him because when He rules and when He is sovereign, when He is in control, There is peace. And so here the people come to this city of peace. But then we move into this second half of this song and it turns into this prayer. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. And so they sing that this peace that they see, that they experience in community and they depend on in the throne of God and his king will remain and continue to stand. They pray for peace. They pray that security and safety will continue to stand. But they also pray for unity For the sake of my brothers, in some some translations it says, for the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. May Jerusalem, may this place always be a place where the peoples will come together in unity. And for the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your prosperity. Not my prosperity, but the prosperity of this city so that it will always be a place where people can come and find peace. That's what this psalm is all about. This is what they are singing about, to, to sing and praise God that in this place there is peace. But if you know your history, we have a problem. Because that Jerusalem is no more. The temple that stood at the heart of Jerusalem that represented God's throne and His dwelling place, His home with people, is gone. The first temple was destroyed by the Babylonians, and back around 587, 586 BCE. It was destroyed by the Babylonians. The second temple that was rebuilt after the exile was destroyed by the Romans in 70 CE. And what stands there now is an Islamic shrine, the Dome of the Rock. What do we do with this psalm? Because that Jerusalem that this psalm sings about and prays for is no longer there. What do we do with that? Do we just throw it out and forget about what we've just read? The words of Isaiah 26 might help us here. Isaiah 26. Uh, Verses 1 to 4. Isaiah speaks of a future day. And he says this, Isaiah 26, verses 1 to 4. In that day, so in that future day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation, its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord. The Lord is the rock eternal. And it goes on. But one of the things that comes out as you read those words or you hear those words is that peace is not found in the city of Jerusalem itself. Peace is found in God. Trust in the Lord forever. He is the rock eternal. God makes the walls and ramparts of the city a place of salvation. Now it is God who is the place of peace. And as we look forward to Christmas, as we talk about peace, I say again. Uh, speaks of peace to us. And we hear it almost every Christmas time. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As we look forward to Christmas, as we think about the birth of Jesus, as we talk about peace, we don't think of a city but a person where we find this peace. Uh, I, I've shared with you before the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. It was a period of about 200 years of sustained internal peace, uh, not so much external, but internal peace and stability within the Roman Empire. Um, and this peace was only kept by the emperor's ability to keep uh, his opponents or threats to the empire under his control. The only way that he could guarantee peace was by keeping a lid on everything, by keeping things under control. But here's the thing, worldly peace has not changed since that day. Whether you're talking about national peace, social peace, relational peace, or even inner peace, that seems to be the buzzword these days whatever kind of peace you're talking about, the only way that the world seems to be able to achieve that is by keeping things under control. If I can keep these things under control, if I can ensure that these things don't encroach into my life, then I will have peace. Right? Our governments deal with issues of economics, immigration, social welfare and all the rest and what is the aim to keep the peace by managing these situations in, in groups, in our relationships you know groups dictate what is good and what is not for this social group and so long as they're able to keep those aspects under control then the friendships in that group will continue to be good but i suspect for many of us we're more interested in this inner peace that the world seems to talk about and you go to any bookshop physical or digital and there's any there's a mountain of self-help books promising the secret to finding inner peace inner peace can be achieved only by your ability to exercise authority and control over the challenges and the threats to your peace and well-being. The message essentially is that it's up to you. You want inner peace? Well, it's up to you. You need to do this or get rid of this and this and this and then you'll have peace. But I don't know what your lives are like, but there are plenty of things in my life that are totally out of my control. And I'm not even talking about the kids. There are so many things in life that are out of our control and yet this pursuit of peace says, get them under control and you will have peace. Control your workplace and how that works and you will have peace in the workplace. Control your relationships, who you're friends with, what they do, what you do together and you will have peace in your relationships. We could go on as we unpack different areas of life and the things that need to be kept under control if we want peace. But the truth is and the reality is many of us know if we're honest with ourselves that that never happens. This biblical pursuit of peace is not found in a city or some religious or sacred site. It's not found in a place. It's not found in some philosophy or religion even. No, peace is found in a person. It's found in Jesus. And if you've been with us and you have gone through John with us, you remember that Jesus stands in the temple. And he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. He himself would take the place of the temple, the place where people would meet with God and experience his peace. Jesus takes the place of the temple. But there is a city. There is a city that waits for us. A new city, a new Jerusalem. And we read about this in Revelations, uh, Revelations 21. One of the angels uh, carried John away uh, to a mountain great and high and showed him the holy city, Jerusalem, coming out, coming down from heaven, from God. And this is what he says, it shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel. Like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gate. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations and on them... For the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And just like the old Jerusalem, this new Jerusalem will be a city free from any opposition or threat to the life found and promised in Jesus. And there in that future city, in that new Jerusalem, there will be peace. And as you read through Revelation, it is this story of God's final act of judgment. His final act of justice over all things. Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, will sit on the throne. You read through Revelation, there's this picture of the Lamb sitting on the throne, exercising judgment. He sits on the throne of David, just as we read in this psalm, the house of David, the throne of the house of David sits in Jerusalem. And Jesus will sit on that throne and exercise judgment and justice. He will crush his enemies and the Prince of Peace. As we sing and think of Christmas, this Prince of Peace will establish everlasting peace. And on this New Jerusalem, we have 12 gates, and on them are the 12 tribes of Israel, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. We're reminded again that Jerusalem, this new Jerusalem, will be a gathering place, not just of the 12 tribes of Jerusalem, but we read Revelation 7, of every nation, tribe, people and tongue. It will be a place where people of diversity again come together to praise God, because He is King and He sits on the throne. And there is peace. But as you read through Revelation, there's one thing missing. There is no temple. There is no more temple. At the end of Revelation 21, John says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And as you read on, This new Jerusalem, this new heaven and this new earth is prosperous. You just read the descriptions and it's full of abundance. It's full of richness. It is a rich and prosperous city. And because of that, it gives peace to its citizens. And what's the point of all this? Here is God, Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who sits on the throne. And because of him, there is peace. Because he is the place where we find security. Because there we find justice. Because there we find unity as different people. Because of that, in Jesus, the Prince of Peace, we can find peace. And so we're reminded that we have this God who, when he is in his rightful place, And when he sits on the throne and when his justice and judgment are done, we can find peace. And so as Christmas comes, we're reminded of this, the significance of the birth of a baby, a child, Jesus. Because in him we have The beginning of all that is new. Because the old Jerusalem and all that it represents is gone. The old way of things is gone. And in Christmas we're reminded of this new life. This new hope. And this new peace. And what do we do with all of that? Let me take a few things from this psalm. psalm opens with the words I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. When we come to church we don't just come out of obligation or any hope to gain something from God. We come because we respond to God. We come together to rejoice. Let us go to the house of the Lord. Go to the place of peace, the person of peace, where we can praise Him. That's why we come. We come to rejoice, to praise, and we do that together. We do that together. Right? Right? When the people, pilgrims came together at Jerusalem, they were from different tribes, from different people that we come from. They came together and they became one people, God's people. And so they rejoiced together. And, and, and it's something that we can only do better, week by week, day by day. That's not just on the Sunday. It's something that goes with us through the week. Rejoice together in what God has done. Encourage one another together. I can imagine that you have pilgrims who come to Jerusalem and they're stressed and they're worried. Their life's a mess. But as they come together, everyone sings. Praise God. Praise God because... There is Jerusalem and we have security in that, in Him. Praise God because there is His throne and there is justice and we can rest in peace because God will keep the peace. And we do that together. We come together as God's people wherever we've come from. And we rejoice, we praise, and we encourage one another. It's one of the reasons we sing. Because no matter how you're feeling, we sing together to encourage one another, not just simply to praise God, and all praise and honor belongs to Him. When we do that together, we encourage one another, no matter what this week has been like and what no matter what this week will hold. We do that together. But it also means as a church, as the people of God, we're concerned with justice. Right? Here we have a God of peace. And he is a God of peace because he sits on the throne. He is sovereign and in control over all things. And when he does that, When things are right and when things are just, there is peace. But just like this psalm, we're we not there yet. And so we pray. The psalm says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the peace of God. May those who love you be secure. Jerusalem is no longer a place but found in the person of Jesus. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. So we should be concerned with justice. And that's not worldly justice, but God's justice. Because when God's justice is exercised in our world, then there is peace. There's the prayer for peace, but then there's also the search or the pursuit of peace. Verse 9 finishes, For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. For the pilgrims as they go to Jerusalem, as they celebrate these feasts, they're also feeding into the wealth, and the prosperity of the city. Uh, we, you know, if you watch advertising or you you get into tourism, you know, tourism is a big industry, and part of that industry is it brings wealth into a place, and that wealth isn't simply just for the enjoyment of people, but to build that place up. Tourism brings money in, it brings the infrastructure, the security, the safety, the comfort of that place. And the pilgrims would go to Jerusalem and they would invest in that city. That it would be a city that was prosperous so that the forts, the citadels and the safety of that place would always be available to all who needed it. And so as God's people, we too should be seeking to invest in places, in ways that will prosper those things to be a blessing to others. And that would look like any sort of way. It might be giving to the church so that the church might be able to grow and invest in resources and capacity to be a place where people will find peace in Jesus. Part of the reason we give our offering is so that we can ensure that we will have a place where people can find peace, find Jesus. We give to mission so that people will hear the good news of peace in Jesus. We give to various ministries or organisations. We give to ICC, International China Concern, so that children with disability might know the peace of Jesus. We seek the prosperity of God's church, God's kingdom, so that people might know peace. It's not for our own sake, it's not for our own benefit or glory or blessing or feel good. It's not for us. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, we want people to come and to see and meet Jesus. And so... That's where this psalm takes us. As we think about peace, that's where it takes us to rejoice together, to seek justice, and to invest in God's kingdom for the sake of the house of the Lord, so that our world might know peace. But as you go through this week for yourselves, what is that peace? It is peace that can only be found in Jesus. Remembering that He is God, that He is King and that He sits on the throne of life and no matter what comes your way, that we can trust him. Not simply just to let things go and let God have his way. I hate that, by the way, let go and let God. It's passive. What the Bible calls us to is to trust. To trust that Jesus is in control. That he does sit on the throne of life And that when he is given authority, which is already his, but when he has that authority and we allow him to exercise that in our lives, we can rest in him and find peace. As you go into this week, whatever it is that waits for you, to trust that Peace can be found not in controlling our circumstances, not not trying to manage our circumstances, but rather in trusting, not passively just going, okay God, you do whatever you want, but trusting and depending and coming to God and asking Him to bring peace. Maybe it's work, particularly as end of year comes, it can get crazy as people go and leave and on holiday, workload just piles up to come to Jesus each day and say, give me peace. Not to manage and to control your circumstances, but to come and go, Jesus, give me peace. There's no high school students here, so we'll skip the study. But even in, in those moments, not to be so caught up in managing study and concern for grades and controlling, and this is not to pick on anyone and this is not a judgment or criticism of anyone, but to add up your marks through the year and go, did I pass or not? And get stressed and anxious about that. I've done that. But to be able to come to Jesus and go, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I am going to trust and depend on you to give me peace. Because I have no control. I've not, I haven't got control over these things. And whether it's your relationships as a parent, as friends, is within your family. To recognize that you have no control over the other person, how they react or what they do. You've got no control over them. But to be able to come to Jesus and say, give me peace in this relationship. Help me to let go of controlling them or trying to manage them or even to expect things of them but to trust that you are my peace. And there's the big, great, scary future. Whatever tomorrow holds, we, we don't know. But Jesus does. And to be able to know, not just to understand, not just to feel, but to know Jesus is king over every area of life and to be able to come to Him each day and say, I have no idea and find peace knowing that He is God. That—that that, that is something beyond this world. The world tells us to take control, to manage our circumstances, to control our destiny. But that doesn't work. It might work for a, a period. And I think particularly for many of us, we are capable, we are smart, we are, we've made our way through life much on our own ability, our own gifts, And even our own wisdom. But you know that that only gets you so far. And rarely does it bring peace. Instead it brings more stress and anxiety. Because as things get bigger, as things get scarier, they get harder to control and manage. And yet here is Jesus. And he says, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that is true peace. That is true peace. And to be able to even get a glimpse of that, get a taste of that, to be able to go even through a single day and not have a single worry in the world, that is peace that the world cannot offer. And so friends, we we come to Jesus. As we look forward to Christmas, this title Prince of Peace is not just some throwaway name. It is true of who he is because he is the one who is on the throne and he sits there in total control. Because of that, we can have peace in him. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you are king and that we can come to you not just on our own but together, that we can rejoice and praise you who is king. And encourage us and stir our hearts to be reminded and to know and to grow and to show that you are truly king. And because of that, we can have peace. Everlasting peace. But we do pray that this peace will continue to grow in us, in our own persons, but also in this church and in anywhere that you might take us. And we pray that we will continue to seek peace, seek justice, and that we might pursue Efforts of peace, whether that be in your church or in your wider kingdom, that this world might know that this Christmas we sing of a child that is born and his name will be Prince of Peace. Help us to know that. Help us to show that to our world and we give you thanks that we can find that peace in you. So go with us this week and remind us of these truths and help us to see them for ourselves that the world might know through us that you truly are God the God of peace. So we commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.